Well, hello, everybody. This is Rabbi Dan Levin, and this is a special edition of Essential Questions. In the Pirkei Avot, Hillel said, Do not separate yourself from the community. Do not trust in yourself until the day of your death. Do not judge your fellow man until you have reached his place. Do not say something that cannot be understood, hoping that it will be understood. And never say, when I have leisure, I will study, because you may never have that leisure. And I've always loved this litany of advice. Judaism teaches that we find ourselves, we find our mission, our purpose, and our relationship with God in community, in dialogue with each other. We have to realize there is so much we don't know and so much we have left to learn. The human eye can only see 10% of all the light in the universe, and our vision and experience is so limited. We can't understand each other without authentic dialogue, which requires us not simply to express ourselves with honesty and forthrightness, to say to each other what we're really thinking and feeling, but to listen and listen hard with humility and curiosity, but mostly to make learning and spiritual growth a real priority. In our day and age, like in every day and age, for many of us, life is busy and full. And for others, it's just too difficult to get to synagogue as often as we'd like. And so I was so excited to create Temple Bethel's new podcast, Essential Questions, so that we all might have the opportunity to access a little bit of wisdom and understanding and learning in the midst of our very busy lives and in ways that we can do in the most convenient fashion. As I shared in our opening episode, humanity is constantly in search of meaning. The spiritual quality to our lives rests in our understanding and embrace of a sense of purpose. And in developing one's spirituality, no matter what faith tradition we may follow, or even if we follow none at all, we figure out what we believe through process of questions. And these become the essential questions we confront in the course of our lives, and our awareness of these questions evolve as we live and grow throughout our lives. And it was my hope that essential questions would be an opportunity for all of us to carve out that time for learning and growth and to grapple with the questions of our belief and of the challenges of our modern age, of understanding some of the conflicts and dilemmas that are part of our everyday lives and our world today. And so in this special episode where we are going to take a little time to think about this first season, I am so blessed to have two of my wonderful rabbinic colleagues here at Temple Bethel with me in the studio. We have Rabbi Jessica Mates, who has been my partner at Temple Bethel since I came back to be senior rabbi in 2004 and has been with Temple Bethel since 2002. And we have Rabbi Ilana Rabishaw, who is just celebrating her first anniversary with Temple Bethel in July, who just started with us last year. And we're so excited to have both of them with us today. How's it going today, guys? We're good. We're fabulous. How are you? I'm doing great. I love the summertime. It gives me a chance to breathe and to unwind and to think. So in one of our first episodes, I invited Josh Fagelson, Rabbi Josh Fagelson, who created this great initiative called Ask Big Questions when he was the director of Hillel at Northwestern University. 
And he's created a book that he called Eternal Questions because he thought it was a better title than Big Questions. But it's all the same. And when I asked him, you know, what makes uh, a question eternal or a big question or, in our case, an essential question, he said it has two components. He said these are questions that matter to everybody and they are questions that anyone can answer. I would ask you, what do you all think is an essential question? As you listen to the podcast and joined us over the course of the season, what are the essential questions that you sort of are percolating with and that you were thinking about? As I was listening to all of the season, one of the things that I kept coming back to were two perhaps essential questions, which are what gets us up in the morning and what keeps us up at night? What keeps us up at night? That's the anxiety. Those are the things that perhaps we can't fix or that we don't think we can fix. The things that get us up in the morning are what excites us, what we can't wait to do. As I was listening to this season, I kept going back and forth between these two ideas. And we had a lot of speakers that talked about the anxieties of the world and some of these really big challenges that we struggle with on both an individual and a collective level. And then we also have what got everybody up in the morning, that hope the drive to create a new initiative at parts in their lives when they didn't necessarily think that was the time to create a startup. And yet thinking about an essential question is something that we have the empowerment to take, whether it's the excitement or the anxiety, and bring it into something amazing for any of us. I was amazed in the podcast how interested I got in each interviewee's essential question. And I didn't really think about my essential questions till preparing for today. And like my sermons, I had like seven essential questions. I usually have seven sermon topics in one, and I had seven. So some were, you know, how do I have integrity every day? Some were, you know, how do I make the world better? And then I came to this is my like essential question now, which I don't know if it fits the realm or not, was how did I get so lucky? That's like my, I guess, bigger essential question. Like how did I get so lucky to have the life that I have? to do the work that I want to do, to have the family that's so amazing and the friends and the world and the community. That, I think, if I have to pick one, that is it. How did I get so lucky? That's a question that I always ask myself almost on a daily basis when I think about when I wake up in the morning and I look outside and there's palm trees and this, well, right now in this summer, hot, sticky <laughs> sunshine, but, you know, this extraordinary community in which we live, but also just thinking about how fortunate and lucky we are to get to be Jews in the 21st century, that we get to be in a time and in a place where not only do we have the freedoms and that we have the lives that we get to lead here in the United States, but also that we live in a day and age where we're celebrating the 75th anniversary of the birth of the modern state of Israel, that in all of our collective consciousness, we can't remember a time when Israel wasn't safe and secure. You know, we may have memories of the the wars that Israel has fought, but my entire life you could hop a plane and be in Tel Aviv in a day and a half or less. And that, to me, is a miracle that I still try to not take for granted. And thinking about all of the, the different guests that we had on the podcast— a lot of it was sort of focused on 
you know, how do you not waste the moment, right? How do you not squander? I remember in the conversation we had with Karen Kadar, which was part of the temple's big Omer project of thinking about how do we liberate ourselves from all the things that kind of hold us back. We titled that episode, What Are You Waiting For? And we talked about that there's fears, there's wounds, there's scars, those things that keep us up at night, Ilana, as you were talking about. And at the same time, there's so many rich, amazing, miraculous blessings that surround us that I think part of what I wanted to try to convey was this opportunity for us to think about that mixture of challenge and blessing and opportunity and and good fortune and how we weave that all together. Did you get a sense of that from some of the different conversations that you heard? What amazed me about the podcast, and I've known you half your life, we've known you, we're in school together, is the people that you brought in for the podcast. I know are many people you love and have loved for a lot of your life, and they're your mentors and your heroes. And what was amazing to me is two things. One, how you got out of them things that I had never heard before. And the biggest thing you got out of them is that their commitment to the work that they do. Like, there was no doubt. There was an unshakable belief in that whatever they were doing in whatever realm it was, they were all in. And I think, you know, that's what made these people great podcast guests is that they were models of life and living. They're not waffling. They're not wavering. They're not like going from whatever is trendy to trendy. They're trailblazers or it's just in their guts who they were like David Ellenson and his background. And to hear that, you know, who's so dear to you was himself. He was the academic and the Orthodox Jew became reform and, and this great leader in the Jewish world. And, you know, Ami Hirsch and his Zionist efforts and Jenny Rosen and her environmental efforts, like everyone who you talked to was all in. And I think like that's powerful spiritually and in getting back to that question of like, what's a lucky life when you get to live fully, you know, your dream of making the world a better place. So I was just amazed at how you were able to just get out of people something fresh and new and really have them think deeply about what they were doing, but convey so clearly that there would be nothing else they would be doing right now, but the lives that they lived and what they were doing. And going back to the beginning of the series, when Rabbi Feigelson said that the difference between a big question and an essential question is the accessibility. It all was accessible. They made it a conversation that anybody can jump into regardless of their background in Israel or the environment or cancel culture. And one of the things that I kept coming back to as perhaps an ongoing theme was this question of how can we incorporate hope and spirituality and thinking about spirituality in a whole different way. Spirituality was never a word that I perhaps connected to. And I know that Rabbi Meitz and I have that in common, that that's a word that we struggle with. But thinking about what is our spiritual calling to these things that are perhaps so grounded in our reality. And so this morning when I woke up and I was thinking about this podcast, I was thinking about the blessing we say at the end of Havdalah, Hamavdil Bain Kodesh Lechol, this blessing that separates us from the sacredness of Shabbat back into the regularness of the week. But instead, what the podcast 
did and what all of the guests did really miraculously was they connected the holiness into the mundane, into the regularness of our world, connecting the spiritual calling. I think it was Jenny Rosen that said the spiritual audacity of what in us gives us the drive to talk about the environment and why we have a moral obligation to do so. And I remember that Rabbi Dr. Ellenson talked about that too, that there was a moral calling that he felt, and that was almost a sense of revelation for him when he was on his journey from orthodoxy into reform. It's this calling, it's this connection to the higher power back into the regular things that we incorporate and that we feel on a daily basis. Yeah, and thinking about that idea of hope, you know, one of the things that I remember is that there was this great expression that Rabbi Karen Kadar talked about, whether is hope a strategy, you know, where people would say to her, you know, hope is not a strategy. And she's like, yeah, it is, right? When you think about how you bring your spiritual resources to confront the big challenges like climate change or the little challenges of why am I getting up in the morning? Those kinds of things of sort of drawing on that inner spiritual reservoirs of energy that helps us to sort of make sense of our lives and to give us the energy. What were the episodes that sort of spoke most to you? What were the ones that you kind of loved the most? I loved, so Ami Hirsch, who you had on, who's just a leader in the Jewish world, but in the Zionist realm right now. And I know the two of you are involved with his work because we were blessed enough to have his parents as congregants and and his rabbi dad in this community and know him and worship with him. You were able to talk to him about his parents and get the story of his childhood that I've, things I've never heard. And this kavod, this honor you have for his family writ large that I think touched something deep in him. And so I felt like this conversation would not be the same with any other interviewer. But with Rabbi Dan Levin, it like just got to something deeper because we're so lucky that, you know, you knew the whole system that he came from and you loved that system. And I think you touched something in him and you got him to talk in a just a very like deep, touching, beautiful way. I think you brought his parents back for him for that interview. And and that just was so moving to me. And it was a reminder of, you know, the relationships that you have as a rabbi and a respected rabbi and how precious this podcast is and being able to tap into people things that really open up new doorways. It was just so touching and beautiful. Well, one of the things that I loved about Dick Hirsch and Bella Hirsch of Blessed Memories, not just the extraordinary trajectory of their lives, but a little bit of how they chose to parent their kids, which I think engendered in them a curiosity that led them into remarkable directions for three of them into medicine and for Ami into the rabbinate, which was when when Dick Hirsch was running the Religious Action Center in Washington, D.C., he would have remarkable leaders over to their home just for Shabbat dinner, U.S. senators and the ambassador from Israel and all kinds of remarkable figures. And I don't know what it was like when you were growing up, but when I was growing up, there were lots of times my parents had company and my job was to sit in my room and not make too much noise. 
And instead of doing that, his parents said, no, we not only expect you to sit at the table with a U.S. senator or the ambassador or whomever, but we expect you to engage in the conversation in a meaningful way and ask a decent question to these people. And I think it was that invitation that his parents gave their children as they were growing up and to meet these incredible people that inspired them to be curious people and to live their lives. And I think it inspired an army in many respects to become the rabbinic leader that he has, where he has translated his love for Israel, which was his home and where he served in the tank corps, and his incredible passionate Zionism into the rabbinate that he leads for his congregation. Ilana, what were the the episodes that spoke to you? Well, it was funny. I was going to mention Rabbi Hirsch talking about those core years for him living in Israel and how that part of his past really drove his future. And I smiled when Rabbi Dr. Ellenson talked about Shabbat dinner. And I found some interesting parallels between what Rabbi Ellenson was talking about with Shabbat dinner with his children and how Ami Hirsch described Shabbat dinner with his parents. And I found myself wanting to sit at Shabbat dinner with them. And you brought in that magic of when everything hits, hits right. But then I also felt very connected to Evan Neerman's acronym of defining cancel culture. And I thought that was just so accessible. And it was words that it articulated something for me that we've talked about in so many different facets of life for the last several years. And to hear it so clearly and to have driven it into such a beautiful direction, I thought was really remarkable. One of the conversations that I really enjoyed, I mean, I love <laughs> I loved them all. <laughs> These are all people I really admire. And actually, I think one of the things I was most excited about with the podcast was it was an excuse to call some people on the phone, some of whom have been my friends and colleagues for a very long time. Rabbi Jenny Rosen has been a colleague since our first minutes in rabbinical school. We were classmates. And others are just people that I've known along the way and others whom I just really admire for their work and, and for their thought. So it was kind of like just a, a joy to have a conversation with, with these people. But one of the things that I appreciated about the podcast was the chance to talk to some people and to pose hard questions to them, and not because I wanted to skewer them or to challenge them, but I was really curious to know how they would answer them. So, for example, in our conversation with Rabbi Pesner, I was curious about what he would say as to why the Religious Action Center in advertising for their legislative assistant fellowships specifically said, we are looking for Jews of color. We are looking for Jews who are from underrepresented communities. And I was curious to know, like, what does that mean to somebody who is not from an underrepresented community? Does that mean that that person isn't welcome or is uh, of lower value to the Religious Action Center? And I loved the opportunity for Jonah to express what he thought and where he was coming from as the leader of that remarkable institution and why he created the, the process and why he created the priorities in the way he did 
Because I think there are a lot of people who were walking around with questions that I had but don't have a chance to ask Jonah those questions and they just sort of sit with their curiosities or maybe even their resentments about those things. So one of my essential questions of my many is how do I get men to hear women about their experiences in the world? And at that moment in that conversation, I loved it, but I also like, you know, hope it stuck for people because I think you know, you and I have talked about this over the years that like there's different perspectives and different points of view. And sometimes people think that there's not going to be enough room for them if others are let in. And and I, what I try and teach, especially, you know, men in positions of power is just like love or just like learning the opportunity to both continue on your path, but also open your eyes and open your ears and hear that others are having a different experience than you is endless. And I love that he said, like, you know, there's more room in the center. And like, Dan, don't you and I want to go the periphery for a minute so we can diversify who's at the center? And that's been an ongoing um, tension is too strong a word. But between you and I, you know, it's something like I've had, you know, hopes of conveying messages. And I, I decided, like, that you do a great job of, like, reminding people about the uptrodden. You know, we worry about the downtrodden, but you don't want to alienate the uptrodden either. And I think that people think sometimes that, oh, if someone else gets an advantage, that I'll be threatened. But I think we're asking bigger questions. Like like Jenny Rosen was saying, like, change the system so that, like, it can change. So we're not basing it on old ideas. So I was like go Jonah in that conversation at that moment because I really wanted you to hear him. I heard it with Jenny Rosen too when when she said, you know, like some of the points you're making are the points that people use to discourage climate uh, awareness and that, you know, I just, I hope the podcast opens all of our ears, you know, even mine, even yours, you know, to think and hear different things and things that might be hard to hear but that we need to hear and understand like, the ability to change. And I, I mean, even I was thinking of the metaphor of this podcast, like here you are at this temple for decades, and yet there's a freshness about your rabbinate and this podcast and our ability. And I think we're inspired by this place, Temple Bethel, to continually renew and do better and raise the bar higher. And we do it with joy. Like there's nothing stale about you and there's nothing stale about Temple Bethel. And I think if we can apply that to hearing points of views that we might not have initially wanted to hear don't be stale about it. You know, refresh anew, I and think. I, I'm so glad that you mentioned that. I'm glad you don't think I'm stale. I don't think you're stale. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've been with Temple Bethel off and on for 27 years and senior rabbi for 19. And I'm in Gen X, like you and I both. We're in our mid-50s now. Sorry. Yes, we are. <laughs> Which yes, is part of the are. excitement, Ilana, of having you in our congregation as someone who represents a younger generation. I'm curious to know, uh, somebody reflected to me that our guests were all Gen Xers or older uh, and that we didn't really have a lot of younger guests on, which is something I hope to correct in, in future seasons. But I was just curious, Ilana, as somebody who's more of a millennial what was it about the podcast that sort of struck you? Were there things that you were like, well, you know, 
those people just don't get it the way my generation gets it. I think that one of the things that makes me a slightly different millennial than a lot of my colleagues is that I don't go looking for trouble in that same way. <laughs> I was thinking about the conversation with Rabbi Pesner and thinking about how we can all be allies in the way that we aspire to be and still recognize that we have growth to do. It doesn't matter what minority we're talking about. It doesn't matter where we sit, but we all have the ability to be the ally that we strive to be and recognize that there's a lot of growth work to do. And I loved how he played with Hillel's three statements, if I'm not for myself, who will be for me? If I'm only for myself, what am I? And that he sort of toyed with this idea that that what am I? If we don't look at everybody else, it dehumanizes us. So if I don't go into a conversation or if I don't go into a space saying, oh, well, where am I represented? Or how come there aren't more people that look like me on the podcast? Then it makes it harder for me to go in with a sense of curiosity. I'm 29 years old. I don't think that comes as a surprise to anybody who's listening. And there's a lot of growth work to do. I'm really proud of where I am. I'm really proud of where a lot of my colleagues are at this age and who are also fellow millennials. And there's definitely a lot of learning that we can share and a lot of teaching that we can do. And it's okay to take a step back and say, in this moment, I'm going to listen to Rabbi Dr. Ellenson and just sort of marvel at how you two talked about Buber and Rosenzweig for 45 minutes. Like, Well, you know, and this is actually one of the things that I was thinking about, which is, you know, for me to get to sit with my teacher and my hero and my mentor, Rabbi Dr. David Ellenson, I remember <laughs> when I was uh, first ordained, I was at a meeting and Dr. Ellenson was at the meeting and I said, oh, Dr. Ellenson, it's so wonderful to see you. And he says, you know, Dan, we're colleagues now. You can call me David. And I looked at him and I said, thanks, Dr. Ellenson. That's very <laughs> generous. Like, you know, but to have 45 minutes to be able to sit and talk Jewish philosophy was for me great. But one of the things that I really appreciated about the podcast was after almost each of the episodes Rabbi Jason Reeser, who I ordained recently, <laughs> uh, for those who are not part of the Temple Bethel family, Jason Reeser has been the director of facilities and all things technical and wonderful at Temple Bethel has really been an incredible help as our technical advisor and editor of our podcast and with Amanda Brenzel, also a member of our staff who are not rabbis, though Jason is darn close, to say, all right, well, was that boring? You know, was that interesting? And I was so grateful to hear the feedback from them, from Susan Stallone, our director of communications, who could sort of pull me out of rabbi world where I'm very comfortable and happy to say, hey, you know what, Dan, make that maybe a little more conversational. Maybe we should, you know, choose some topics that you know, are a little bit more grounded. And at the same time for, I hope you all appreciated some of the conversations I had with colleagues that were kind of on a rabbinic level, because for me, that's a fun and, and deeply spiritual space. But one of the episodes that I also kind of really appreciated was one of the earlier ones with Rabbi Jeff Middleman, whose entire career is devoted to building bridges between science and religion and talking about how Judaism is a tool to appreciate 
the truths that science has to teach us. And I'm sort of curious to know about ways in which you kind of experienced us looking at Judaism as a tool to think about things like cancel culture or a tool to think about the climate crisis or tool to think about science or or social justice. What were sort of the syntheses that you saw between Jewish tradition and some of these larger questions that we were exploring? In my first year of rabbinical school, I had a long conversation with one of my teachers who we fondly called Gingy, Rabbi David Wilfond. And he said to me, Alana, do you know what the difference is between a value and a Jewish value? I came up with my best guess. And he said, no, a Jewish value is something that you can root in Torah. I said, okay. And then about three years later, when I was in the middle of my clinical pastoral education at Children's Hospital Los Angeles, I was reflecting with Dr. Joel Kushner, who was our guide and mentor through this CPE process. He's a member of the faculty at Hebrew Union College in Los Angeles. And I said to him, the listening that I'm doing in these hospital rooms doesn't feel different than the listening I do for my friends and my family. And I said, shouldn't we be listening just as deeply to our friends and our family as we are to these people in hospital rooms going through the worst moments of their lives? And he said to me, absolutely. Like, that's what makes you you. And it's what makes you a thoughtful person. And so thinking about these two stories, that was, at least for me, where Judaism is a tool. It's 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 who we are. It's how we live. It's how we interact. It's knowing that it's a tool that we can use to think about these bigger pictures. It's a tool that when we know that we're Jewish, it doesn't matter if we're doing something good because it's a Jewish value or just because it's what we need to be a good person. But I think that what this podcast did is that it served as a reminder of all of the ways that we can use Judaism to think a little bit differently, whether you go down the road of Jewish philosophy or whether you go down the road of thinking about hope in a slightly different way, having Judaism at the core of who we are. And as a rabbi, it's a lot easier, I gather. But just having that in our head that, yeah, being Jewish, that's enough. Thinking about our Jewish values and how we lead our lives. And hopefully this podcast for other people just served as a roadmap for that. So my parents are regular attendees of synagogue, and every once in a while at the Oneg, my dad will go up to you, Dan, and he'll be like, you just believe so much. <laughs> like, he's always just in awe of your deep belief. And I think that each of these guests share that intensity and that deep belief. And what we all share, anyone, is this incredible understanding that Judaism and Torah, God, Torah, and Israel can be a foundation, whether it's you know, Brett Stevens, who was amazing, who just said, you know, be the best Zionist that you can be, like, whether it's popular or not, like, if you believe in the state of Israel, like, whatever the world is telling you, you have to work, you know, maybe to create that state. And and I think one of my favorites was Evan Neerman, because he's not a rabbi, he's a congregant, but he is a Jewishly knowledgeable human being. He has raised his kids active at the synagogue. The family's active. And I love that because it's. A, I think sometimes people think like, oh, I can't fully study Judaism because I'm busy with other things. And what you learn if you really delve into this is like 
if you study Judaism and all the elements of it, you will be better at the other things because it will make you a more ethical citizen of the world. It will make you think more deeply about justice and charity. It will make you think about how you teach people and what you do with your time. So I think that was what was remarkable to me is that everyone has the same foundation of God, Torah, and Israel, and they may build different houses on that foundation, but they're all strong and the work that they're doing is strong because it's rooted in this idea that Judaism gives us an ability to live a better life. And I think it was Rabbi Pesner that said that everybody has this individual story and we need to engage in dialogue to think about our collective story. And when we do that, we have this opportunity for depth and we have this opportunity for better understanding. And I remember him talking about the congregant that said, I need health care for my kid. What are we going to do about it? And for so many people, that might not seem like a Jewish value or even a Jewish conversation. But the way that Jonah couched it was, no, we all have these individual stories. And when we place it in the context of God, Torah, and Israel, and when we place it in the context of Kol Yisrael, Arvim, Zebazet, all of Israel is responsible for one another, it becomes a Jewish value. And not only that, it becomes a Jewish imperative to help and to love the stranger and to love God and to all of the tapestries that are in the front of our building. Jenny Rosen said the same thing, too. She's like, it's not about your car anymore. It's about our car and it's about the car industry. And that was really moving. Like, that was seismic, I think, in a way. I love, too, that she <laughs> referred to the episode <laughs> that uh, that you were a consultant for. Like, it shows there is hope. There is hope in having different attitudes and viewing ourselves differently, that we're part of a community that can really change, but in concrete ways. And I think you pulled that out of people. And I appreciated the the, the communal aspect of what the podcast was able to create. On my Facebook page, I promoted one of the episodes with Evan Neerman about cancel culture. And a member of the congregation wrote a really long response saying that she thought we were both completely full of it. (laughs) (laughs) And she wrote, you were right that it is widely accepted that cancel culture does not exist, Dan. If it did, we would cancel men like this who are more concerned about damage to businesses than harm caused by people like J.K. Rowling, who uses her massive platform to harm trans people. And what I loved about that was clearly she was listening. She vociferously disagreed with some of the ideas, but that's part of what it is to enter into dialogue, is to be curious, why does someone have a response to a conversation, to an idea that comes from very, very different places and that allows us to express ourselves and to learn in ways that we wouldn't have have thought. It was, you know, look, there's there's an adage in the rabbinate that I think we kind of all know that when they like you, they tell you, and when they don't, they tell everybody else. <laughs> so it was great. We got some wonderful feedback. People were, were were very generous in their comments, and many talked, especially many people in the congregation who don't get out very much because of health reasons or because of mobility challenges. But to be able to have the opportunity to participate in the podcast and to be able to learn on their schedule was something that helped them feel really connected 
as part of the larger virtual Bethel kinds of things that we're offering. It was it was really just very, very special, and I was appreciative. And appreciative of some of the ways in which the podcast was received. In our first season, and just with 10 episodes, we had more than 2,500 downloads. Most wow. of the listeners in the, in the podcast community came from the United States, but we had some listeners in Costa Rica, Canada, and Israel. Uh, and as the podcast grew, our later episodes became more popular. I don't necessarily think because the, the substance was more popular, but I think we were getting a little more traction. And so for those of you who are listening today, I really hope that you'll consider you know, sending an email out to your community and sharing the podcast, whether they want to listen on Podbean or Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We're always grateful to have people participate. Some of the things that were thinking of exploring for our next season are a conversation of what does it take to raise a child. Our mutual friend, Jessica Rabbi Yehuda Kohn, who runs Beit El Ezraki Children's Home in Netanya, Israel, where they take care of hundreds of children who can't stay with their parents anymore, and who has raised thousands of children, is hopefully going to be one of our guests. We're looking forward to having Michael Abramowitz with us, who's the director of Freedom House, who's going to talk with us about the future of democracy and the challenges to democracy. We have a whole bunch of, of people that we're hopeful to bring onto the podcast so that uh, there's a rabbi named Danny Schiff who wrote a wonderful book about the challenges that the digital age and artificial intelligence is going to bring to us as individuals and how we can look at that through a Jewish lens. What are some of the essential questions or topics you are hoping that we get into? Well, I think your audience said they want younger voices. So I think figuring out who you go to for that. I think people in this gender equity space who who are making that their essential question, I'd like to see some of that. And I think Jewish future, you know, what it's going on. Look, we were really lucky to have some really big names in the Jewish world, not just Brett Stevens, but David Ellenson and Ami Hirsch and others. And I think that there's a reason they're big names because they're wise and they have incredible things to say. And I think there's up-and-coming voices. There's another person, Jericho Vincent, who looks a lot at repentance. I had a seminar with her last year. She was amazing, or they were amazing, and love to love to hear more about that. And also, I loved, you know, you're you. And, and one of the things I love about being clergy at Bethel is, like, we're like facets on a diamond. We're all different. There's no duplication of who we are, what we're interested in. We have different interests, and that's one of my favorite, favorite, favorite things about being a clergy here. And like, I loved that this was so authentically you and it's your podcast and your brainstorm and you work so hard on it. So it's okay also, you know, for it to be true to like what you want to pursue. Just thinking about the younger voices, because you both have mentioned that I think about some of my colleagues who have created very successful Instagram platforms about bringing Judaism to a more accessible younger level and not pediatric, not for super young audiences, but for people like me who are millennials, but perhaps didn't pursue the rabbinate. And so bringing on people like Rabbi Rena Singer from Modern Ritual could be really interesting. I also have a vested interest in mental health, mental well-being and recovery. And bringing somebody like Rabbi Mark Borovitz from Beit Shuva in Los Angeles could be really interesting to look at recovery and how we all are in this process of healing and recovery, whether we're 
in AA or whether we're in our own process of healing and chuva. And thinking about the high holidays that are up and coming, what do we want 5784 to be? Who do we want to be? And how do we want to be our best selves? I know we started having some of those conversations with regard to Slichot, but it might be an interesting an interesting continuation to think about who are we and who do we want to be in this podcast. I think those are all fantastic uh, suggestions. And as we talked about, you know, we only know what we know. And part of the joy of creating this community around our podcast is to learn from you, our listeners, what are your essential questions. So please send us an email at eq at tbeboca.org, and we will certainly look forward to taking your suggestions and to having another season. We will have one more sort of interseason episode a little bit later in the summer when we will have the opportunity to gather and talk about how we prepare for the new year and how we can do the work of repentance and reorienting our spiritual compass so that we can begin the new year on firm footing. So we look forward to having you for that. I really just want to express my gratitude for our remarkable team here at Temple Bethel who have helped us to support and to produce this podcast. I'm grateful for all of those generous contributors to the Jewish Ideas Incubator, which has helped to fund the work that we're doing here. And many thanks, of course, to you, our audience, for being part of this community. We're so grateful, and we hope that you will stay with us next season. And we wish you all a good and safe, and God willing, not quite a sweaty summer. Essential Questions has been made possible by the Temple Bethel Jewish Ideas Incubator committed to creativity and innovation in modern Jewish life. You can find this podcast on Apple Music, Spotify, and the Podbean app, as well as on Temple Bethel's website at tbeboka.org slash essential questions. We look forward to reading your comments and to addressing your ideas in future episodes. I'm Rabbi Dan Levin, and thanks so much for listening to the Essential Questions podcast.